Listen in Fridays to the new feature Times Like This on Aura City Radio in partnership with Luxembourg Times. Good morning, Dowie. You had quite the scoop yesterday with an interview with the president of the Eurogroup, it's Pascal Donahue. How how did that go? I think he was telling you about the meeting between uh, Boris Johnson and uh, Ursula von der Leyen. Good morning, Lisa. Optimistic, I hear. Ursula von der Leyen on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. That was sometimes by some seen by some as the moment to force through a big breakthrough, but there was no breakthrough. Uh, briefly after that, the uh, Commission published a set of contingen- contingency measures, what to do if there is a no-deal Brexit. So people then saw that as a sign, uh-oh, the talks haven't gone down well, and mm. now the emergency procedures are out. Um, it, it, it talked about things such how how you're going to f- be able to fly to the UK, mm-hmm. how... Or, or drive to the UK, what's going to happen with fishing rights on, 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 on January the 1st. And, and Boris Johnson um, talked about the strong possibility of a no deal after, after he saw um, von, von der Leyen. Government leaders are meeting at the moment in Brussels. They agreed not to talk about Brexit. Okay. Because the good news is that the negotiators have continued talking after Johnson and von der Leyen met, mm-hmm. and they've set themselves a new deadline for Sunday. Okay. Um, and and the Foreign, foreign uh, Secretary uh, Raab has said that even after Sunday there could be further talks. So this whole uh, spectacle of the dinner on uh, on Wednesday wasn't, uh, it was more a spectacle than anything else, I think. I think a and spectacle if Boris turns up anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah like, well, that's right. And, uh, and Donoghue said, well, these talks were was, was, so complex, you were always going to have that moment that uh-huh. everybody said, yeah, this is not, there's not going to be a deal, but he remained confident he said i think there will still be a deal and frankly i've heard that from other people as well there'll be some sort of deal some sort of i think the other the 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 opposite you know no deal is just you know and when they go on the wto rules and stuff like that that's one thing but i mean when it comes down to the nitty-gritty of everyday business people come into luxembourg for example on conferences and stuff like that yeah it it changes that completely so it's almost unthinkable that i think one possible scenario is that they'll have some kind of a text agree to continue to talk about some uh, some some Exactly. Some topics and uh, and Donahue, but Donahue said he, uh, obviously in, for, for Ireland is one of the hardest hit countries in uh, by the Brexit, and he said even with a deal, it's already going to be pretty bad because you know how people sometimes talk about oh this is good for business here yeah. in Luxembourg, yeah. we've got some some banks relocating to uh, to Luxembourg, some banks have also relocated to Dublin, and we asked him that question and said isn't it also good? And he said no, it's, it's not good for Ireland because right. the cost uh, for the country is so much higher because of customs. Uh-huh. Because of everything, all the food that they import, they only need to look at the regulation for that. And export as well. I mean, they must have a, the and UK export. must be a big agricultural export market for exactly. It for so he Ireland. said, uh, he said no, uh, it is uh, it is not it's not good news for Ireland. Yeah. And um, and you talked to him about um, the situation with Poland and Hungary as well. How was he with that? Was he yes. optimistic on well, that? Well, that was, was overtaken that by events because he was also hopeful about that deal. And then when we were writing the story, pretty much the deal had happened. Happened, right. Uh, which is also, which is, that's really good news for Europe because uh, you remember they were talking about they were. two things, a new budget for the EU yeah. for the next seven years worth 1.1 trillion euros. Um, 
and then an additional 750 billion euro Corona recovery fund. And that was the really interesting bit that had never happened before. Right. Because for this fund, they will allow the commission to raise money in capital markets. That means that countries like Germany and France are going to issue debt jointly for the first time in history. It's a, it's a big step in... Uh, it's interesting, though. It might bring, you know, it might, it might be a moment that will bring the EU closer together if they can find a way through this. I, you know, I so think so. And Donoghue said that. He said you've, there's been so much attention about, uh, uh, on, on Brexit and on, mm -hmm. the, on the budget deal. Mm -hmm. Other things have, have gone on much more rapidly. There's the, the European Stability Mechanism here. That's the, that's the bailout fund. And they were given some new, uh, some new powers. And he said, Donoghue said, well, you know, that, 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 that has gone much faster than it would otherwise have, uh, have gone. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the budget deal is there as well. I remember that Hungary and Poland objected to exactly, it because they, uh, they didn't want to comply with the rule of law. I, I don't really understand that you can say I don't want to imply, uh, comply with the rule of law, but, but there you have it. And, um, and uh, the solution now is sounds like they, they've added like a leaflet to the budget deal that says, oh, well, we won't treat Hungary and Poland differently than the other countries, <clears throat> and apparently that was enough for those two countries to uh, to, to to agree to the deal. Mm. Uh, so there's some kind of could a political that be, agreement. Could that be because, for example, like back in the 90s when there were sanctions against Austria because of the right right leanings, which were nothing in comparison with the, the right leanings that we have these days in some of the countries, is that because they were worried about sanctions, if, if politically they were not in line with European values? I don't know, but it has always surprised me that Poland made such so much of a show out of this uh, uh -huh. out of this budget deal budget deal because they they're a big recipient yeah, of exactly. EU funds. Yeah, exactly. So in the end, I always thought they're never they're not going to say no to all that money. This right. is impossible. Yeah. They'll put up a show. They have put up a show. They've been giving some kind of a vague assurance that they can bring home. They can say, look, you know, they've agreed not to not to treat us any differently from any other country. So it's political posturing at home, maybe. That's Sorry? Political posturing in terms of their national politics. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that's that's a large part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think also um, they uh, there were some, uh, some things that still need to be sorted out with the Commission. I think they were also given the right to go to the European Court of Justice over it if they didn't like it. So they have some vague reassurances, right. but nothing that's politically binding. Right. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah. There's another story that kind of ties in a little bit, I suppose, to what we're talking about. Um, you covered, which is um, Luxembourg's part of this sort of group within Europe who have a super fast or will have a super fast computer to help the EU gain a tech edge, shall we say, um, relative to China and the US? Yeah, that's so that's again that's bringing def Europe definitely, together. Definitely related because that's an area where Europe isn't doing very well uh, in, in computer, uh, computer technology. And um, I think uh, you've got these super fast computers nowadays that you need uh, for, uh, for complex you know, calculations mm -hmm. such as predicting weather patterns and like they used for developing drugs as well. I, mm -hmm. I don't quite understand. We should look into that. I don't quite understand how that, how that works. But I think they have scientific models and you need super fast computers that can, can do uh, enormous amounts of calculations per second. Now, Europe uses up 30% of the total supercomputing capacity in the world, 
but right. it only provides 5% of that. Uh, oh, wow, big deficit. So yeah. 25% we're looking for some We get that in China else. and in, in America. Right. And so not only can the, the Chinese and the American uh, computer companies see exactly what kind of research we are doing, right. they also know what which software we use. Right. And another disadvantage is that scientists who who want to do this research they would rather work in America or in China because that's where the software is anyway and mm -hmm. that's where the computers are anyway. So Europe is really behind uh, behind all this. And when the news came out of the supercomputer, we thought we didn't really understand it, but Kate looked into this story. And, that's uh, interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, it's, now, do we know the countries that it's Luxembourg, Germany... Uh, there's a whole group of countries. I think there's eight countries eight, in total yeah. where they're going to build one part of the supercomputer. And Bulgaria, Czech, Finland, there we go. Yeah, yeah, there Finland, go, yeah. Italy, Portugal, Slovenia and Spain. Interesting. And then they can hook them all up, you know, and they have this mega computer. Yeah. So um, this is actually very useful to know. I think it's going to be based in Bissen. Uh, it's going to be neighbours to the, to the, the Google. Google to the Google site. So. Ooh, <laughs> it's going to be our Silicon Valley out of Bissen there. That's Indeed, great. it will be. Yeah. Interesting. No, that's a good story. If folk are interested, that's uh, that was on uh, Lux Times yesterday. Um, yes. I, I thought that was quite fascinating. Another one, um, another techie one, I suppose. Luxembourg missed out in the EU cyber research hub, so um, that went to Bucharest. Bucharest. Yes. Yeah. So was that again? Is it how do you how do you pitch that you're the best place to have it? Is there a process that countries uh, go through or? I don't know if there is a process. I remember when uh, the European Medicines Agency was uh, had to relocate because it was in London. Yes, um, and we were hoping for that. Did Frank forget that? Who got that? Uh, that's gone to Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Amsterdam, Amsterdam okay. had a... They developed a whole website that yeah. you could go on to and you saw pictures of the Amsterdam cana canals with beautiful people on bikes and you're like and what? that's why they got it <laughs> what's that got to do with we want with to pharmaceutical live there. <laughs> approvals but they got it yeah. and um and we uh, i seem to remember that the staff at these agencies had a pretty big say in that because uh, it also has to do with pay so it really is like literally they maybe that made a difference this is an well, attractive place to work. So the folk uh, that worked in London said, and plus Amsterdam's a quick hop to uh, London if you still get family there or whatever. If you really, I think if they would have said, look, the Eastern European countries yeah. have a, they they have a sincere complaint that they're not getting any of the EU institutions, which is a fair complaint. Yes, places yeah. like Sofia and 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 Bucharest, they have none of the institutions. Mm -hmm. Luxembourg, a, a country of six hundred thousand people. Mm -hmm has 11,000 EU mm -hmm. civil servants working here, has at least three EU institutions based here, mm -hmm. uh, EIB, ECJ, European Court of Auditors, yeah. ESM, and there's vast parts of the Commission and Parliament work here as well. So these countries have always said, hey, you know, we, we need right. uh, part, of the, part of, the, of the goodies as well. And so I think it's really good that they've given this to, to Romania. I don't think it's a particularly big institution. I think it has maybe two dozen people there, cybersecurity mm -hmm. agency, uh, but it can grow in the in the future, and uh, it will. I think it's 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 very good that it's going to Bucharest, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I think there's definitely a deficit in terms of uh, where Luxembourg lost out, but uh, to be honest, yeah, it was the right thing, probably. I think even people here in Luxembourg said we uh, we can see why, you know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know how the decisions are made if it's attractiveness of 
you know, the place to live or, you know, how, how those decisions are made? Well, um, because there should be a sort of... There's always horse trading in the EU. If you get an agency, then there's something else that you won't get. But so. it should be, it should be um, quite transparent, you know, uh, those kind well, of decisions. And they're obviously not. <laughs> but uh, It's one of the least transparent processes, uh, right. parts, of the, parts of the EU, I think. There's another tech story here. Um, it was Emery that did it. It's the uh, but SES. SES, yeah, the big uh, satellite company fighting Intel sat in court. Uh-huh. Now, Intel sat is a really interesting company. It was set up by Jeff, Jeff Kennedy oh. in 1962, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and it because that was the first time that they were shooting up satellites, communication satellites into space. Mm-hmm. And he, they set up this company, Intel sat for it. And together, SES and Intel sat own 90% of some of the spectrums that you need for 5G. Are you still with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. But then, okay. Yeah, go and on. so they owned it. America wanted it. And they said, uh, we're going to buy that from you because we want to, to run that ourselves. We don't want these two companies to have it. Okay. And they said, fine, okay, just buy it from us and we'll share, we'll share the money equally. Uh-huh. In the meantime, Intel, Intel set is gone bankrupt. But how can that be? Like that sounds how you, almost how you go bankrupt. No, I mean it sounds almost like a technical. If they've got something massive to sell that the U.S. government wants, it sounds almost like a technical thing that they've made the company bankrupt just because it's the no the company. Solution. But that, I think that's reg- uh, regardless of that right? money, okay. they were going to go bankrupt okay. anyway. And so, but they still needed the money because then they could pay the debtors more. Right. And uh, SES and Intelsat had agreed to share the money they would get from the U.S. government, which is billions, which is almost nine billion dollars, uh, that to share that 50-50. Mm-hmm. And now Intelsat, for whatever reason, have changed their mind. They've said, no, we actually own a little bit more, so we need a little bit more money. Uh, that little bit is four hundred thirty million dollars more. Wow. And SES said, no, no, that's not what we agreed. And that's what they're fighting each other over in court. Interestingly, after they're both based in uh, in Luxembourg, because Intel said after it was set up in the 1960s, later moved its headquarters to uh, to Luxembourg. Although there are only ten people here, and the real headquarters, of course, are in uh, in Virginia. And where? So where is the battle being fought in terms of which courts? I believe it's in it fought in a Delaware bankruptcy court. Interesting, right? Okay, <laughs> wow. Ah, so okay. the things that are happening in Luxembourg, eh? Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. Because, I mean, really, how would you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No. So how did you... Uh, and it's two Luxembourg companies. Yeah, that's right? quite something. Yeah. Um, I think we've got time for one more, which right. um, I'd like to talk about um, basically Luxembourg's shortcomings in terms of gender equality. Um, there, You did a report on that, basically, which kind of highlights the shortcomings um, yeah, there was a, a, a Luxembourg body that had looked at, uh, at the plans uh, from the government um, uh, to, uh, to create greater gender equality in the country. Mm-hmm. And they basically come to the conclusion that, well, what you are saying is either already in place, mm-hmm. so it's not really a change, or it's, it's really hard to measure and, uh, and, and, and not very... Uh, tangible won't lead to very tangible pro progress so uh, we'll see how the how the government reacts to that it's interesting though so yeah and and i mean i've been here 20 odd years so uh-huh. i just you know it's like when i came i could not believe the situation yeah i mean i think i was the only mum 
in school who was working. Aha, uh-huh, yes. You know, there was no canteen. No. The, uh, no afternoon school. There was no maison relay where the kids could go after school care, anything like that. So I think there's been vast changes. Yeah. And, and, and But I, I don't know the statistics. So it's, it's interesting to see that we're still not where we need to be. I think a lot of that's like board members, female board members and things like that. But we don't have affirmative action here, do we? No, I, I don't think we do. And I, I think you're right. The, the statistics are, uh, are, pr- are pretty poor in Luxembourg, mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. I think that co- the story quotes a statistic. Uh, I, d- I don't have the top of my head, but I think it says that uh, Luxembourg ranks the most, uh, the poorest uh, uh, among uh, EU countries in uh, in in board in board seats. Yeah. But I'd have to verify that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and but you're right. It's uh, and it's one of the things that you know Luxembourg is going through this very quick transition with all the foreigners coming in and all the all the jobs being done by foreigners and it's just something that is almost uh, going faster than they can handle right yeah and i mean it would be interesting even to see the breakdown of because there are a lot more because honestly there were no women working i mean that was just you were like looked at as if you were like abandoning your children because you were going to work <laughs> and it'd be interesting to see well because for me there are obviously more women in the workforce now than there were 20 odd years ago yeah but it'd be interesting to see who those women are you know what yeah. jobs are they in what roles are they taking are the expats coming in um are the luxembourgish women not working you know how is it broken down this report i think it's there's another um the advisory bodies urged the government to review the strategy without delay. In March 2022, Luxembourg will undergo a periodic review of its performance in addressing gender equalities by the United Nations. Yeah. So that happens every now and again as well. And obviously, we didn't stack up very well last time. We so there's not, work no. to be done. Yeah, definitely one we will uh, continue, continue to, to follow. Cover. Good stuff. Well, Dowie, I think we're out of time, but thank you so much for being so spontaneous this morning. It was a text message going, okay, we've got electricity, leg it down anytime, here. Anytime, anytime um, you need me, just text so, you. So know? I, pr- I appreciate